Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Free, episode 40, Forgive All Men. Thank you to everyone who shared this week. Really and truly, when you share, it makes such a big impact. And I ultimately am fine when I'm thinking of just speaking to just a few people. But if there's even more people out there that could be strengthened from this podcast, I want to reach them. So you guys sharing and encouraging your family members to listen because you were encouraged by this message really touches my heart and hopefully strengthens theirs. So thank you. Also, hopefully you won't be able to hear it, but just in case, my dryer is going in the background because we are about to leave on a trip to go to the East Coast. All of you moms out there that are like me anyway, maybe some of you are ultra organized, but the night before a trip, the washing machine and the dryer are going because you have last minute outfits that got dirty throughout the week and you want to wear them. So you got to run the washing machine and I don't have time to not run it. So hopefully you can't hear it in the background, but if you can, that's what it is. So this week's section are 64 through 66. And just to give you a little bit of context, the prophet was preparing to move to Hiram, Ohio, and he was going to start up back up again with his translation of the Bible. A bunch of elders were also making earnest preparations to head to Missouri to do more things there. And it was just a really busy time. And lots of really good stuff. I encourage you to read it all. But as usual, I'm just going to focus on a couple of verses. I want to talk about forgiveness this week, but not in the traditional sense that we, I feel like we normally talk about forgiveness. Of course, we need to forgive people who wrong us or who we perceive to have wronged us. And we need to forgive ourselves when we sin and receive forgiveness from the Lord because that guilt is corrosive. But what I want to talk about is Zion and how in order to truly be a people of Zion who are the pure in heart and unified, we need to learn to forgive each other in the context of our wards and especially the instances when we had no business, no reason to be involved in judgment in the first place. So all of my comments are going to be directed to this particular area of forgiveness. I'm going to read to you Doctrine and Covenants, section 64, verses 9 through 14. And after each verse, I'm going to comment a little bit. Verse 9, Wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another. For he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord. For there remaineth in him the greater sin. In the January 2017 New Era, it says, quote, When we withhold our forgiveness, we are placing our limited judgment above the Lord's perfect judgment. He has a perfect view of people's hearts and circumstances, and judgment belongs to him alone. He will ultimately deal out perfect justice and perfect mercy to all, both those who wrong others and those who are wronged. And then Stephen F. Gilliand in August 2004 in Zion said, The greater sin? How can that be? Sin is anything we permit into our lives that will destroy us spiritually. When we poison ourselves with vengeful feelings, with hate, we distance ourselves from the influence of the Spirit of the Lord. Not only that, but we attempt to assume one of God's roles, that of determining who is worthy of forgiveness. Wow. Think about the spiritual implications 
of taking on, attempting to assume one of God's roles, that has to be the peak of arrogance, the peak of pride, to attempt to assume one of God's roles. Think about a time within the church or within your family where you were upset because of something somebody had done, whether in the past or in the present. Are you holding things against somebody that they've they've done building up throughout your life or during your childhood? Are you holding something against somebody that they did many years ago in a calling that offended you? You feel or felt as though you are or were justifiably judging them. Think about one of those moments. Maybe it was recently. According to that scripture, who does the Lord consider the greater sinner? And why is that? Think about the quote that we just listened to. Sin is anything we permit into our lives that will destroy us spiritually. So if we're holding on to resentment from long ago towards someone, is that resentment hurting them? No, it is hurting you. Verse 10, I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive, but of you it is required to forgive all men. Now, when I read this, and I think when a lot of us read this, it's a quick leap for us to think about really horrible sins, really horrible offenses that maybe people have committed against you or people you know. And it's just hard to wrap our minds around that we are required to forgive those people. We are not asked gently. We are not told to just try. We are told to forgive all men. We know that there are a couple of sins that the Lord has defined as unforgivable. But only in relation to his forgiveness. Here he clearly tells us that we are required to forgive all men. He will forgive whom he will forgive, meaning that it is not required of him to forgive all men. But for us, it is required. What does that mean when there's someone in our ward family or in our, our actual family who is living in a way that we disagree with and that the Lord disagrees with. Depending on your relationship with that person, you might have varying levels of involvement with that and responsibility and stewardship. But I think that it means in this context that we don't need to take that burden on in our minds of judging that person because we are required to forgive all men. So we don't need to really worry about what the Lord thinks of it and what the Lord thinks of them and how he's judging them and what ultimately his judgment will be because that's his. It's not ours. Now, like I said, depending on your relationship with that person, you might be in a position where you need to call them to repentance or you need to make a righteous judgment because that's your position in the church. But this still does not relate to your forgiveness for their sin, because the Lord says that he requires that you forgive all men. And when we do find ourselves angry or disgusted or thinking less of them after choices that he or she is making, we need to immediately, as soon as we recognize it, repent and forgive that person. 
I think the goal here is that your heart remains in an attitude of Christ-like love toward that person and not judgment, because judgment is not yours, it is the Lord's. I have a few favorite things, like most mothers, that I say as a mother. When my kids are worried about someone and how they're living their life and wondering what kind of judgment will happen because of their decisions, you know what I always say? I say to them, isn't it great that we don't need to worry about it, that it's not our job description to decide how accountable someone is, what their consequence will be, and where their heart is. That is the Lord's and the Lord's alone. Our only job is to love them and help them as we are prompted. We have bishops, stake presidents, area authorities, the Council of the Twelve Apostles, and the First Presidency. We have a very clear method for righteous judgment. Clearly, the Lord set up his church in a way where righteous judgment has its place. Unfortunately, I've seen times in the church, including times that I have done this, where people make it their business to judge other people either for their inadequacies or their sins. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about identifying sin. In order to live in this world and to navigate it, we need to make righteous judgment and be able to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. But I think the problem arises when we take people's choices personally, as if they afflicted us. They did something specifically against us and as though they require our personal forgiveness, when really that's between them and the Lord. The next verse, 11. And ye ought to say in your hearts, Let God judge between me and thee and reward thee according to thy deeds. I think when we really internalize this and give our hearts to this truth, it really takes a huge burden that we are putting on ourselves off our plate. One of my favorite quotes that I think of often comes from Rick Warren, who is a Baptist pastor. He said, quote, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. I love that quote. When we see lifestyles, decisions that people are making, the way someone in our ward is behaving, we do not need nor should we agree with someone when it is very clear on the Lord's terms that what they are doing is incongruent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not compassionate. It's not loving. Because guess who has the true monopoly on truth? And what the Lord says is love, which his gospel is love. And what the Lord said is true happiness is actually true happiness. So we are not doing anyone any favors when we either pretend or actually convince our mind to agree with things that the Lord has clearly stated are not okay. But that does not mean that we have any sort of justifiable reason to fear them, to hate them, ignore them, ostracize them, gossip about them. A righteous judgment, which we all have to do throughout our lives, does not have to affect the compassion or the love that we have for the people around us. I've been thinking about this a lot this month in relation to the LGBTQ plus community. I'm not going to say a whole lot about this, except to say that when you have someone in your ward who is a part of this community, please remember that their choices are between them and God. 
Only he knows them perfectly. He knows their past. He knows their struggles. And he knows their heart. Judgment is his. And even if you are someone in a position in the church that requires for you to make some righteous judgment, there is no helpful or justifiable reason for any of us to treat them with anything but love and respect. Someone said something to me recently that really struck a chord. I don't know who originally said this, but it went something like this. We need to stop worrying at church about who is temple worthy and only think about chapel worthy, which is everyone. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the other side of this life and be standing in front of my Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and have them tell me that my words or actions were one of the reasons that someone got pushed away from the church, pushed away from the Lord, and went a different direction. We are told how great will be our joy in the kingdom of our Father if we bring but one soul to Him. I think that the opposite will be true as well. If we are responsible for pushing people away from the Lord, that will be some pretty heavy emotion to have to deal with. Verse 12, And him that repenteth not of his sins, and confesseth them not, ye shall bring before the church, and do with him as the scripture saith unto you, either by commandment or by revelation. And this ye shall do, that God may be glorified, not because ye forgive not, having not compassion, but that ye may be justified in the eyes of the law, that ye may not offend him who is your lawgiver. Those verses lay it out perfectly. No judgment should be made because the bishop or the disciplinary council or the stake president or the brethren or some random ward member don't forgive that person. It says that the motivation of those judgments must be given that God may be glorified and that God's laws can be upheld and that we will not offend our God. Now, in application to just a regular member of the church who isn't a judge of Israel, There might be times where someone close to you or in your ward does something serious that actually does involve you. That actually would make sense for you to have a good reason to need to forgive them. I'm not going to pretend that I can completely understand a situation like that. Someone hasn't done anything so serious to me that would require that level of forgiveness. All I'm going to say is that that is hard. And I don't have any perfect words for you to tell you how to do it or what that process in reality should feel or look like, but I do know and believe what Nephi said. I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he hath commanded them. Elder Kevin R. Duncan consoles us when he said, As victims, if we are faithful, we can take great comfort in knowing that God will compensate us for every injustice we experience. Elder Joseph B. Worthland stated, The Lord compensates the faithful for every loss. Every tear today will eventually be returned a hundredfold with tears of rejoicing and gratitude. That's a hard thing to imagine, but I do know that through God all things are possible. So, even though I don't understand how it's going to work, or how that is possible, I just know that it is, because he said that it is. So as we got further along in the scriptures that we're focusing on, we got a little bit deeper into what seems to imply some more serious sin. But as far as my everyday interactions with those around me, 
I hope that I can remember that judgment belongs only to the Lord and that I am required to continually forgive those around me, as I hope that they continue to forgive me for how poorly I stumble through things sometimes. Kevin R. Duncan continues, Just as we are all victims to the misdeeds of others at one time or another, we are also sometimes the offender. We fall short and have need of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. We must remember that forgiveness of our own sins and offenses is conditioned upon our forgiving others. The Savior said, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Of all the things the Savior could have said in the Lord's Prayer, which is remarkably short, it is interesting that he chose to include, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we strive to forgive others, let us also try to remember that we are all growing spiritually, but we are all at different levels. While it is easy to observe the changes and growth in the physical body, it is difficult to see the growth in our spirits. One key to forgiving others is to try to see them as God sees them. At times, God may part the curtain and bless us with the gift to see into the heart, soul, and spirit of another person who has offended us. This insight may even lead to an overwhelming love for that person. Close quote. This topic, it's one we've all struggled with at one time or another. And I think often, even unintentionally, we find our hearts in places that we didn't mean to go. Like everything in our attempts to become more like the Savior, this is one where we can ask for the compensatory spiritual strength and gift to help us forgive as He would have us forgive, to help us see others as He sees them. I include this in my prayers frequently, and I have seen the Lord work miracles in my heart as He teaches me to be quick to love instead of quick to judge. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.